So as you know, having traveled through a few verses now in the Lord's Prayer, uh, we've been looking at different passages each week. Now, I have a confession to make with you guys. I've read the Lord's Prayer many times. I've prayed the Lord's Prayer many times. And if I were to ask you the same question, I'm sure every hand in the room would say, I've both heard and prayed the Lord's Prayer many times in my life, right? Right. It is something that if you've spent time in church, you've most likely been exposed to. At least I hope. And it's a good thing to be exposed to, but so often, as we all know, that things that become common can sometimes wrongly become mundane, and because of that, it can lose its value. Now, I've preached a lot of sermons in my life. I've preached a lot of sermons in this church. And there's been a lot of series that I've really enjoyed taking us through. Whether it was the book of John, or James, or This Present Darkness, or the last series that we did uh, in the beginning. We've done so many different series in this church. However, this series, The Lord's Prayer, has been one of my personal favorites. Not because I feel like I am uncovering new ground that has never been explored before. No, not at all. Rather, I think one of the reasons why I have been personally, personally blessed with this series is just simply because it's simple. I mean, I think we so often overcomplicate our faith, and we think that so many things are a mystery that God withholds from us, and being able to understand how to walk and navigate this life, and Every single week as I read through the Lord's Prayer or as I prepare a message, I'm just confronted with the fact that Jesus kept our faith pretty simple and in a good way. And I really think that the Lord's Prayer frames Jesus' ministry, what he came on this earth to do, and specifically what we ought to do as well as Christians how we are to think, and how we are to pray. So I hope that the Lord's Prayer has been changing you the way that it's been changing me. And if not, let's let it change us today as we explore this important topic of forgiveness. Well, as I mentioned before, last week's topic was on the shortest portion of the Lord's Prayer, and now we're going to actually look at... um, what I would consider to be one of the hardest portions for us to walk through. And some of you might debate that point, and that's okay, but I'll make sense of that as we go along. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. And just as we've been doing every single week, we're going to read the beginning portions of the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to go until we get to the portion that we'll be reading through today. So that'll begin with verse 9. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. For those of you that don't have your Bibles, we'll have most of the verses on the screen today. However, I always encourage you to bring your physical Bibles so that you familiarize yourself with God's Word and you get more comfortable with reading the Word and allowing that to be a daily habit in your life. 
So Jesus starts off the Lord's Prayer with these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we understood from the last few weeks, our Father in heaven, we are to see God as what? A Father. As a heavenly Father who created all the world, but also as our Daddy. Hallowed be your name. We give God the respect that we deserves, that he deserves. Your kingdom come. We're about God's kingdom and praying God's kingdom here and also making God's kingdom known to others. Your will be done. We see the importance of setting aside ourselves in favor for the will of God in our lives, on earth as it is in heaven. And last week, give us today our daily bread. We look to God as the source of our life, as the physical bread that we consume, that he brings us life and that he nourishes us the same way that food and water nourishes us. Read with me aloud verse 12 now. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I'll say it once more. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a lot in here that we need to unpack today. Just like every single verse within the Lord's Prayer, it is incredibly simple But yet, just because it's simple does not make it easy. And oftentimes, some of the most profound truths that we'll ever hear happen to be simple ones. So I want us to take time to look at this and really learn from what Jesus is trying to encourage us to hear today. To forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, I think our society right now is really obsessed with this word privilege. You've probably heard of the word privilege being used around. Sometimes it's used in a way that I think is meant to hurt people. And sometimes I think it's used in a right way. When I think about privilege, I think about the fact that I've grown up in a time that I feel privileged to have the educational opportunities that I've had, to be able to drive a car and get to where I want to be, to be able to use technology as a way to stay connected to loved ones in my life. I think about that as a privilege. I think about, at least personally, how it was a privilege to grow up with two loving parents in my life. To, to, to work as a pastor, I think about that as a privilege. That I get to live in a beautiful state and in a country with many opportunities. Although right now, I don't know how I feel about Colorado when I have cousins sending me pictures of how beautiful Puerto Rico is right now or family members uh, cleaning up their pools while I'm shoveling snow. (laughs) I'm kind of struggling with these images right now. But I feel privileged in this way to enjoy these things. And as I was thinking about the word privilege, I wanted to kind of define my own definition of it. And I believe that a privilege is an awareness of what you have in light of what others may not. 
at least that's Pastor Kevin's little definition of privilege, is an awareness of what you have in light of what others may not. I think there's privileges that we are aware of in life. Maybe as I was listing off some of the privileges that I feel honored by in my own life, you were thinking, yeah, I could say that was a privilege, or oh, no, I didn't have that privilege. Well, I want to talk specifically about a Christian privilege that all of us have, that has really shaped society in such a way that I think many of us fail to fully appreciate just what Jesus did in changing the entire world. And that is the privilege of forgiveness. You see, church, there was a time, and there are still oftentimes moments in people's life where they fail to see the full beauty of what Christ offered in his message. That is, a message of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is oftentimes something that we deeply associate with the church, with the gospel, with Jesus, and I think that is wonderful. I want people to associate Christians and the church with this message of forgiveness. But the reality is, is that the world, up until the moment of Jesus Christ, never fully got to see the power of forgiveness that Jesus would usher into this world. You see, the world oftentimes operated with cruelty. Might is right. If you do wrong, you receive an equal punishment for that wrongdoing, or maybe even a little extra. So the fact that Jesus came into this world and taught so many people messages of forgiveness and love and peace to others radically changed the landscape for how we even Think. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. But without forgiveness, we live in a world that oftentimes treats each other harshly and wrongly. We all need forgiveness, do we not? We all need the peace that, 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 that offers us in life. Now, I'm new to this whole entire Mennonite thing, I'll be honest with you guys. I found it funny when I received my license as a Mennonite pastor when I joined the church and went through uh, different committees to be able to become recognized as a Mennonite pastor, but I was still kind of fresh to it all. But really, the Anabaptist tradition has had a huge impact in my life. And now I'm so proud of some of the ways that it has changed and shaped my thinking. It happened the other day, in fact. I had met up with a play date with my family. 
And uh, we were so excited because Theodore was going to be hanging out with some boys, and, and he needs that, and they're neighborhood boys. And if this person ever listens to this podcast, I'm sorry, but I can't help but share this story because it reminds me of the change that I've gone through in my own life uh, with becoming a Mennonite. And that is, uh, we went to the park, and we started playing with the other children, and I decided to jump in and help the kids play so that they can get to know each other well so I ran around the park pretending I was a bear and I was chasing the kids and my son is just so tickled by how I'm chasing him and he's running and laughing when all of a sudden his new little friends take out these imaginary sticks and just start shooting me with their imaginary guns and taking out their imaginary knives and stabbing me with it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these kids are incredibly violent. <laughs> and I had the thought in, my, in that moment, and I said, man, would I have thought that three, four years ago? I don't want my son to do this kind of things. And I thought about how important it is to be a peaceful person and how Jesus really, in in many ways, instills that into his people through a message of forgiveness. Because you see, forgiveness is a powerful thing because it allows tensions that exist, turmoil within our hearts, turmoil that we might even have with others to do what? To find peace. I know when we look at the world stage of events around us, there's probably many things that we see, whether in our own lives or in global news, that we just wish that people could forgive each other, right? That they could be kind and loving towards each other. This is why I think Jesus included this in here, because we all need to be forgiven. That is, we've all done something wrong in our lives. Scripture lets us know that wrongdoing is sin. We've all done things in our lives that have broken what God intended for us to do. We have all done things that have hurt the Lord, hurt ourselves, and hurt each other. Perhaps even right now, as I speak of these hurts, and I speak of these sins, or I speak of forgiveness, you're thinking in your mind of some of the things that maybe you have done to others, or others have done to you. You know, we oftentimes wear those scars in our lives. Sometimes we try to zipper them up and hide them from the world, but we know that if somebody touches on a certain topic or presses a certain button, then what happens? We feel those scars, and some of us even experience opening up those scars again. You see, forgiveness has the power to not only hide the scars, but to heal the scars, to make it a part of our past. Not something that we forget, but oftentimes something that we can find healing in and peace in. 
See, this is what Jesus offers us. This is why Jesus came into the world, so that we could experience the power of forgiveness in our lives. If you didn't know, when Jesus entered into the world and he came and took on flesh, many of the people around him did not like the kinds of things that he was saying. The reality is, is that Jesus was a very controversial person. He wouldn't have ended up on the cross if he didn't make some enemies with what he said. Jesus lived in such a way that his life, in some ways, was opposed to the common message of his day. But it's a message that many of us oftentimes still experience. And that is that you are never good enough. You see your sins that you've made? Well, let me show them to you. You know, for those of you that have a dog, you know when the dog makes an accident, what do you oftentimes like to do? You like to stick the dog's head right into the mistake. We live in a world that still does that with us, do we not? That likes to remind us of all of the mistakes that we've made. Jesus' life, the ministry that he had, the message that he gave, was not a message of let me stick your head into your mistakes. In fact, I know this much because one time when Jesus was visiting and invited to a home of the Pharisees, the story is in Luke chapter 7, it said that a woman in the town that lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating with the Pharisees. Now something marvelous happened in this moment. The woman got down on her knees and began weeping at Jesus' feet. And with her tears, cleaned Jesus' feet with the water that would be coming out of her tears. And mopped it up with her hair. And as scripture says, had an alabaster jar. And would pour this perfume onto Jesus' feet, sobbing over Jesus. Not because Jesus looked at her and was a punisher and was trying to make her feel bad and putting her head down in the mistakes that she's made, but rather because she experienced for the first time most likely in her life the power of forgiveness. You would think that a sight like that would humble you. But unfortunately, the religious leaders of that time, who oftentimes I think were very hard on the Pharisees, but the truth is, church, I've been a Pharisee before, and I'm going to say something that I know is hard to hear. You've been a Pharisee before. Because there are times where we become very self-righteous. And seeing this picture before him, Seeing a woman on her knees, pouring perfume on Jesus' feet, kissing his feet, wiping his feet clean with her tears. The Pharisee, instead of recognizing the power of this moment, instead criticized this moment. All they could see was the value of that perfume being poured out 
onto Jesus' feet and thinking of that as a complete waste. That money could have been used for other things. That money was a year's worth of wage just wasted and poured out onto your feet. You know, sometimes God's economy doesn't look like our economy. I love what Jesus says in reply to a situation like this. He tells a story to the Pharisees that are in the room. And he says this, Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? One of them replies, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been, what? Forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Now there's something interesting there that I'm going to hit on heavily today. So I'll say this last part of the phrase again. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Because they realized that only God can forgive sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Forgiveness is freedom, church. Jesus is offering on a daily basis Freedom. Freedom. Is that something that you are taking advantage of? Don't abuse that privilege. Both in forgetting that it's there for you, or in abusing it by saying, well, God's going to forgive me anyways. Don't take advantage of the freedom and the forgiveness that God has for you. But also, church, the message that I want to remind you guys of today is that we as people get to walk in freedom. Amen? Are you living life in a way that you look free? 
I mean, you know it when you see it, right? When somebody lives and walks with heavy baggage just constantly over their shoulder because they're carrying every single little offense that they ever had and they're just piling it up and piling it up and they will never stop talking and complaining about every single thing that has gone wrong in their life, whether by their own doing or the hands of somebody else. And then you see other people who can just walk with very little cares. I'm not saying they don't have their own worries or their own struggles. But they walk with the air and the presence of the Lord that gives freedom and forgiveness. It's not always easy to do that in some ways. Because it takes a willful Presence of mind to live as a person who holds on to the forgiveness that God has for each of us. It's crucial to remember what Christ has done for you. You know, one of the sad things that I often see in my own life and especially in the life of others is that the further I get, or the further that you get from your moment of conversion, from the moment that you know that you surrendered your life over to Jesus, that you asked for God's forgiveness in your life, and you received the grace that God so freely gives us, that oftentimes we start to mix up in our mind the freedom that we received. And instead of seeing it as a great work of God in our lives, we end up seeing it as a great work of ourselves, right? You know what I'm talking about. This is why we make it an important rhythm in our church to take communion on a monthly basis. Because every single time we take communion, what happens for us? We are reminded of Jesus' sacrifice. We are reminded of our sin. We're reminded of God's grace and his love and what it took to redeem people like you and me. We can't forget the freedom and the forgiveness that God gave us. Because apart from God, we are unholy people. Apart from God, we are unrighteous, sinful people. But through God, we are what? Forgiven and free people, church. That should get us excited. That should get us to want to almost run in place and shout it out in the mountaintop to be able to say and know within our hearts that we are redeemed, that we are free, that we can take that baggage that I talked about and, slay and throw it off of ourselves and walk with the lightness and the freedom that Christ gives. And how do I know this? Because it is in every page of Scripture. Maybe not the book of Numbers so much, but every other page of Scripture. <laughs> That's a joke if you've ever read the book of Numbers. It's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> That's why for today, for our Scripture reading, Lydia read Psalm 103. He, referring to God, 
does not treat us as our sins deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. Church, we need to receive forgiveness. Amen? However, it can't Stop there. The Bible scholar, Leon Morris, writes this, referring to verse 12 here that we've been looking at. An unforgiving heart is not in a condition that can accept forgiveness. I'll say that again. An unforgiving heart is not in a condition that can accept forgiveness forgiveness. You see, church, the big idea for today is a two-parter. I'm going to give you the first part right now. We need to receive forgiveness. We need to receive forgiveness. We need to be, just as I had mentioned earlier, like the woman who can go up in great appreciation to Christ and fall on our hands and knees and and bear the tears that come out of us in appreciation over what Jesus has done for us. We need to receive his forgiveness and live with the freedom that forgiveness offers us. But my second point to the big idea today is we need to receive forgiveness, but church, we also need to extend forgiveness. The reason why Jesus says, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, is because forgiveness is like a paradoxical cycle of forgiving, where you can't give forgiveness unless you've received forgiveness, but at the same time, you can't receive forgiveness unless you've extended forgiveness. You see, the reason why I think I I, I highlighted that verse from moments ago on why Jesus had said to the Pharisees and those that were listening to him, whoever has been forgiven little loves little, is because if you are not receiving forgiveness in your life, but if you are also not extending forgiveness in your life, then you cannot grow in the love of God. You cannot grow in the power of forgiveness, which means that you cannot grow in what? In the freedom that Jesus offers us. If there are people in your life that you have not forgiven, if there are moments in your past that you have not just said, Lord, this hurt me, but I seek your forgiveness. Help me, Lord, to forgive them. 
Help me to forgive my circumstance. Help me to extend and walk in forgiveness. Then it's hard for you to be able to receive the fullness of God's forgiveness in your own life. So in some ways, unless you are walking in a posture of loving people and doing the work of Jesus, which is the work of what? Helping people heal, helping people experience forgiveness, helping others experience the weight of coming off. Then how are you going to receive your own weight coming off? Because if you can't do it for others, how are you going to believe that God could do it for you? So Jesus, in this verse, in this prayer, is strongly trying to remind us that forgiving is both receiving and extending. Church, are you just receiving forgiveness? Because if you are, you're not experiencing all that God has for you. God wants you to receive forgiveness, but he also wants you to extend forgiveness. You know, one of the things that so oftentimes, it's like both a struggle and at the same time something that encouraged me, it's a weird mixture of a lot of different things for me, is that Jesus tells us that we are going to do greater things than him. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet, you know, I haven't seen somebody, you know, in a situation where I called them back to life, I'd like to, that'd be awesome, but I think some of what Jesus is saying here is not so much the physical miracles that we do and can experience at times for reasons I don't always understand, but really the ministry of Jesus, that you and I get to partner in what? Doing the same things that he got to do. You see, while you might not get to call somebody up from the dead again, that might not ever happen. I hope it does. That'd be awesome. You probably could experience the freedom of seeing somebody who was viewed as a sinner to every single person around them, but feels that load coming off when you remind them that you are a child of God, that God loves you, that you are forgiven, that you do not have to carry that weight with you anymore. That's the kind of ministry God wants us to have, church. That's the kind of ministry that God wants you to be a part of. But you can't be a part of that ministry if you aren't receiving it yourself. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you ask the waiter, hey, how do you like this? Uh, I don't know. I've never tried it. What about this? I've never tried it. What about that? I don't like it. Well, why do you work here? (laughs) It's like, how could you sell something that you don't experience yourself, that you don't believe in yourself? Church, you want to see God move? Receive forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. Now say that with me. Receive forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. It's as simple as that. If you've read any 
studies about the state of the church in America, you won't be very encouraged. You just won't. You'll be encouraged if you read about the state of the church in in Africa or in South America, Central America. That'll encourage you because the church is growing like wildfire in those areas. But you read about the church in Europe and America and it's kind of like, oh man, it's sad. For the first time, for instance, in American history right now, there are more churches closing than there are churches opening. That's never happened before. That's right now. We're, we're literally in uncharted times of never experiencing this before. And I am convinced that one of the reasons why we're seeing that is because the church got very comfortable for a very long time in America. And we made church a club more than we made it a mission. And I think that God is calling those of us that are actually serious about our faith to be about his ministry again. (laughs) Thanks. And I think that each one of us plays a part in that. Not just me. Every single person here, young or old, plays a part in that. Church, time is now for us to live these things out. The time is now for us to recognize the power that Christ gives us. The power to extend and receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer now with that in mind. If you would, Lena, put it on the screen for us. Pray this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.